Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode. We're happy you're joining us wherever you are joining us from. Okay. Or from wherever you are joining us. Because I learned once, you should never, wait, should never use a preposition to end a sentence with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to start out by apologizing to you, my love, because remember how okay. in our last recording session, you, now this might've been two episodes ago, but it was the last time we sat down to record. You were commenting on the early spring and I just wasn't joining you. I in, do remember it. Yeah, I, you, I've been harboring resentment <laughs> ever since. Have you noticed I, I haven't spoken to you since we last recorded? I kind of rolled my eyes about the whole, oh, the crocuses in February, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> shortly after we recorded that, yes, yes. I read an article uh, that said that our area and the northeast of the country was experiencing three weeks early signs of of spring that were three weeks ahead of schedule of the normal um, that were measured like changes in certain trees and the unleafing or I don't know exactly how, but it, it was a, some scientific commentary on the early spring in our region, which by the way, it has gotten cold and snowy in some of the Northeast since then. So I don't know what's happening now, but at the time when we recorded, that was when truly was early and i just dismissed you and so i'm really sorry about that i really really <laughs> am gonna hold on to this <laughs> no i really really forgive you, you you have permission to remind me next time i doubt you remember the you know, crocuses it is it is in 2023 i'm just going to share this with our listeners <laughs> that it is rare that when you and i have a disagreement that i'm proven right <laughs> So I, I take a little, I take a little pleasure in that. Of just, course. A little, just a little bit. Don't we all? It's good. It's real good. Well, <laughs> do you have any updates for us from the TOB Institute? Updates from the TOB Institute. Yes, I want to invite people to check out our YouTube channel. Um, I have just named the show that I do. I, I was bouncing around for a little while with with getting my groove on YouTube. It took some time. I think I found my groove, and I've named my show on YouTube The Sacramental Lens. Ooh. And so it's a way... Have I shared that with you? No. No. I'm, you're learning this right now? I am. Well, very good. Yeah. I should have told you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. Yes, the, my show on YouTube is called The Sacramental Lens, which is a great title to describe what I do on that YouTube show. I, I look at the world and topics and all kinds of issues with special guests and sometimes on my own, um, just looking at the world through the lens that the theology of the body gives us, and the proper lens is a sacramental understanding of the world, mm -hmm. meaning physical things lead to spiritual mysteries. So I really like that title, Sacramental Lens, so check out what we're doing on our YouTube channel. And uh, it may have been a couple weeks since we mentioned it. I can't keep track of all this stuff. But our cruise to 
France is filling up. And if you have been pondering, should I, shouldn't I? Now's the time to reserve your room on our cruise. We're doing a pilgrimage in France at the end of October into November of 2023. Wendy and I are leading it together. It's kind of an Ask Christopher West sponsored cruise. That's right. We're fact, counting even, on you podcast listeners. <laughs> we've even talked about doing a live recording of our podcast on the cruise ship with a live studio audience. <laughs> this is the Ask Christopher West show brought to you or no recorded in front of a live studio audience. Uh -oh, Remember yeah. how shows used to say that? I do. Yeah. Anyway, so we're thinking of doing that. So check that out. Also look at our summer schedule of live courses. We have the Marian Mystery course at the end of June. We have TOB1 in mid-July. We have Theology of the Body and Spiritual Direction uh, end of July, first week of August. And check out our online courses as well. Uh, all those links are there. Yeah. You ready for a patron question? Let's do it. Okay. This is from an anonymous patron who says, I'm a 21-year-old woman and have never had a boyfriend. I have a twin sister, and she is currently in a relationship that is going very well and is heading toward marriage. I'm very happy for my sister, and I truly wish her the best. However, her being so close to marriage and simply having dating experience, while I have not, makes me feel like there's something wrong with me. Why am I 21 and have never dated anyone? I can't seem to avoid comparing myself to her and feeling like I am somehow falling behind. Mm. This makes me feel like I must be lacking femininity, mm. making it impossible to be in a relationship. How can I learn to love the theology of my body mm. when I feel so deeply that something is wrong with me? Mm. Bless you, dear anonymous patron. <clears throat> Thank you first for your monthly support of the work that we do. It's just a sign that you believe in what we're doing, and I'm so grateful to you. Uh, I'm going to suggest, actually, as a patron, that you listen to the retreat that I did exclusively for patrons. You can go to your patron community website and watch the retreat I did with Dr. Bob Schutz, where he talks about, he and I together, take people through a journey of sexual healing. What does that look like? We're all in need of it. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's not just for those who might have a, a broken sexual past or something, but sexual healing means exactly what your question is asking. How can I come to embrace the theology of my own body as a woman, you asked, when I feel like there's something wrong with me? Going on a journey of, of sexual healing is really an opportunity to look at what do you think is wrong with you, and what impression do you have of your own self as a woman? There was a line in there, Wendy, maybe you could reread it about uh, feeling, did she say inadequate in her femininity, or what did she say? This makes me feel like I must be lacking femininity. Lacking femininity. Well, let's just settle the score on that one right away. Uh, God looked at you when he made you as a girl in the womb of your mother, and said, Behold, you are very good. Mm. Uh, there is, I mean, you're broken. You're a broken human being like we all are, so we could look at it from that angle. But I want to affirm, first and foremost, you're a woman. 
you are a woman. That's what you are. That's who God made you to be. Mm -hmm. And there are voices. There is an enemy who, who does not want you to know the goodness and dignity of being a woman. His enmity, his hatred has been aimed right at woman from the very beginning in a very particular way. He's after all of us, but in a particular way, he's after woman because woman is the model, John Paul II says, of what it means to be human because we're all called in relationship to God to be open and receptive. To be human means to open to receive divine love conceive divine love and bear it forth. Mm. That's the theology of a woman's body. And you are a woman. That's who God made you to be. So, so my prayer for you is that you would enter ever more deeply into what authentic femininity means. And this is where oftentimes, this is where the war is. There's a false vision of femininity that the world holds out precisely to make you feel lacking, precisely to make you feel inadequate as a woman. Those are, are lies, a, a false vision of femininity that come from the father, comes from the father of lies. Mm. And you have the authority in your baptism to, to rebuke those lies and pray for deliverance. This is what the Our Father is in its final line, deliver us from the original thing Jesus said was not deliver us from evil, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus himself, in, in inviting us to pray the Our Father, is authorizing us to pray a deliverance prayer, to deliver us from the evil one. So that is my prayer for you, that you would have the wisdom from the Holy Spirit to discern authentic femininity from the false version of femininity that's that's held out in the culture today, that we get bombarded with images, ideas, storylines from movies, uh, song lyrics. I mean, our whole culture is just filled with false images and ideas about what being a woman or being a man uh, means. And, and we need to pray for the wisdom from the Holy Spirit to discern what is authentic femininity. And I think if you pray for that spirit of discernment and let the, let the light shine on your own life. And here I'm thinking of something Jesus says. This is the Gospel of Luke, where he says, uh, Bring your body and every part of it into the light and make sure that no part of your body remains in darkness. If you bring your body and every part of your body into the light, your body will illuminate you like a burning lamp. And your, your body will, will then, as he says, illuminate you. What does that mean? It means the light will shine on your body to reveal to you the truth of your femininity, the truth of your womanhood. So I invite you into that. I hope that's helpful. And, and please do take some time to go on that retreat as a patron, go to your patron website and go on that retreat with Bob Schutz and me. I think you will find that, to use that same word, illuminating. Mm. And I want to also speak into this comparison with your twin sister, Yeah, which is very understandable. And Wendy, I imagine you'll have more to say about this. Um, so I'll just 
offer a few remarks and then pass it off to you. But I, I am not a twin, um, so I, I can't speak to it from experience, but I do know twins. Uh, I have twins in my own family. Um, and I know that there is such a deep, deep bond, understandably a deep bond that goes way back to the womb. You spent nine months cozied up to each other in your mother's womb. And that experience creates a bond that in this fallen world, I could imagine maybe the the dark side of that bond in a fallen world would be kind of a constant comparison. Uh, do I measure up to my twin sister? Uh, certainly, I, I mean, even I'm not a twin, but I, I know the tendency to want to compare myself to other siblings, uh, friends, etc., it's a it's a fallen tendency and i do think it's related to your question and maybe your insecurity about your own femininity because that's a real question about your identity and when we compare ourselves to others it's always a sign that we're we're lacking in a certain sense of ourselves right the human person is incomparable meaning can't be compared in any true sense to another person. Why? Because every human person is unrepeatable. There is no other you. And, and maybe I'm just imagining as a twin, you know, I don't know if you're identical twins or fraternal twins, but assuming you're identical twins, there can be even a stronger question mark about my own identity. We look so much alike. Our, Am I myself? Do I have my own identity? Yes, 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 yes. You are unrepeatable. There's no other you, never was another you, never will be another you. And because you're unrepeatable, it's an injustice to your identity as a person to compare yourself to someone else. Uh, we all have that tendency, and it's all a sign of a a bent identity. And what do I mean by that? I mean a sense of ourselves that we is bent towards other persons. We're trying to get a sense of who we are being by being bent towards or in the direction of someone else. The only one who has the authority to tell us who we really are is the author of our existence. It is God's authorship of our existence, our identity that gives him and him alone the authority to tell us who we are. So I believe that tendency to compare is an invitation from your Father to, to raise your eyes to heaven and say, Father, help me to know who I am, who you see me to be. Christopher, I love everything you had to say to this anonymous patron, so much of what I felt myself when I first read her question. Um, yeah, the the sense that um, all of us, men and women, are kind of given these, not kind of, but are receiving a lot of messages about what is desirable and what isn't all the time in our culture. And it, it can only, you know, it's a small thing like your twin sister dating someone can create a fear that just opens a door for all these messages mm -hmm. to kind of 
get inside our hearts in a more powerful way and it's unconscious. Um, but just it's it's beautiful that you came to us with this question and are sharing it because um, it gives us an opportunity just to speak the opposite of what those messages of the culture are. So the question you asked us, why am I 21 and have never dated anyone? I really want to assure you that that is not necessarily a disadvantage, especially because it's your story and the Lord who's faithful is writing your beautiful story with your experiences. Amen. So th there's no need to concern yourself that somehow I'm at a disadvantage in dating experience or something at the Lord knows what story he's writing with your life. And I think the call to a deeper trust, a deeper belief in his love for you and the goodness of his plan for you is, is really the appropriate thing to, to seek. And I, I think if you do this uh, retreat, you know, you'll have time to reflect. And in those times to reflect, I think it would be also appropriate to ask the Lord that, to give you a sense of how he sees you um, and what he's preparing you for in your life. Just just a sense. I'm not saying that we can have like perfect vision of what he's doing, but there are things that need to come from him uh, that can just totally change the way we view something significant in our lives and probably al always will be significant in your life that your twin sister had this relationship. And if she marries this man, you know, that will be a significant part of your story because it's, it's your family's story and it's your twin's story. But, but if the Lord can show you how he sees you and what he's doing with those um, elements of your story, it can bring you that peace and trust that, that makes you ready for what he wants to do with your life, which is the thing that you should most desire. And um, I think he's, kind of just whispering that in your ear through your looking at this question in your heart and bringing it to us, like, trust me, trust me. Maybe he was sparing you some really painful experiences. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are deeply wounded when they come and they meet the person they're going to marry. They, they have to work through a lot of struggles because of past relationships that were really dysfunctional. I, I'm exhibit A there. Uh, I was in a relationship. There was there's a lot of wheat in that relationship, and there are a lot of weeds in that relationship that I had, and I had to go through a lot, a lot of healing. And I, I can't claim even today, all these years later, that I'm not still in need of healing from from that relationship. So, yeah, maybe the Lord was sparing you. I think Wendy's point is is well made that you can trust Him. The story that the Lord is writing with your life, you can trust him. Bless you, bless you. Hmm. Our next question is from an anonymous listener as well. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. I am what my community considers to be transgender, because although I was born female, I have always found since I was a child that I have more masculine energy. I'm now 40 and cannot deny that I feel as if I'm a male in this female body. I'm also a practicing Catholic. I refuse to change my gender because I know that God has given my soul this body for a specific purpose. And because I know this, I cannot in good conscience undergo, quote, the change. 
I am, however, dating someone whom I truly love. She's my companion. We've accepted that we will never take part in the sacrament of marriage because the purpose of marriage is primarily for the grace of having children and the grace in sharing of God's miraculous power to create. We are putting forth constant effort to live a chaste life together as companions and best friends who share an attraction for each other. Would living in this way as a, quote, same-sex couple be wrong? Although we feel our relationship and love for each other is genuine and good, the only thing we see being wrong is that by us being together, it's preventing her from bearing children with a man, even when our hearts long to be together. I, on the other hand, cannot bear children. We are prepared to do what we both must, though ending our relationship would be truly heartbreaking. I also thank God and ask for your prayers as she's now going through RCIA, and we both just want to come to God this Lent as best we can, even in our broken state. Wow. Dear listener, I hear a mighty, mighty movement of grace in your life, and I hear your courageous response to it. And I, I just want to reverence what God is doing in your life. You have some very difficult life experiences, very painful life experiences. And I'm, I'm just marveling, especially in the climate of our world today, the culture that we are living in, which is screaming at you to go down another path. And we all know what that path is. I don't even need to go into the details. We know where the world is directing you. But the fact that you are resisting that, the very fact that you listen to this podcast and have submitted this question and are seeking honestly and humbly, as you said, we're prepared to do whatever God wants of us, wow. It's a mighty, mighty work of grace. And before I say anything else, I just want to declare the Lord will bring to completion the work He has begun in you. Mm. The Lord will bring to completion the work He has begun in you. And it is clear that He has begun a great work in you. I'm also going to suggest, and um, I know... Uh, based on the way we, we do our questions here, that you're not a patron. But I, I want to point you to something in our patron community. And if honestly paying the $10 a month to, to partake of this is not a possibility, just send us another message and, and I'll gift it to you. Uh, because I want you to have access to a retreat that I was part of, that I led with Andrew Kamiski and some of his other team members for our patrons on addressing some of these very questions about same-sex relationships. And it wasn't only on same-sex relationships, but the, the work of Andrew Kamiski and his ministry, which is called Desert Stream, and they have a program, which I'd highly recommend you look into, called Living Waters, uh, Living Waters is a, a series that you go through, <clears throat> excuse me, with other people, uh, people seeking the Lord, but with burdens on their heart, wounds that need to be brought into the light, and in a very safe environment through the Living Waters approach, 
you can begin to to bring some of these wounds to the light for deeper healing. We actually offer this Living Waters program as part of what we do at the Theology of the Body Institute. The, the little retreat for the patrons that I'm referring you to is just a little primer for the week-long course that the Desert Stream Ministry team comes to the Institute's retreat center here where we offer our courses and offers their program. So that will be offered again in 2024 at the end of January. You may not want to wait that long. So, so dip into that little retreat that we offered for our patrons. Again, contact us if you can't afford the $10 a month. But let me just speak broadly. I don't, I don't, we don't have time in a program like this to get into all of the nitty-gritties. But let me speak broadly about same-sex relationships where there is a kind of romantic attraction, but a desire, as you have expressed, and it's a work of grace that you would even commit to it. You want this to be chaste. I will hold this out, that chastity is not only refraining from sexual activity in this relationship. The chastity goes deeper than mere physical activities, and it looks at—here I'm going to use a phrase from John Paul II—it looks at where these attachments and where these desires hatch and grow in our hearts. The Lord wants to thoroughly purify us. Uh, and and I, I think of the Lord here as a detailer, like a detailer of an automobile, where you're not just trying to shine things up on the outside, but where the Lord wants to get really deep in there. Like He wants to get between the cushions of the seats where, you know, hair and old french fries are, and he wants to get under the floor mats. I'm sure I've used this image before on a podcast, uh, maybe even recently. But he wants to get under the floor mats and, and get all the gravel out of there, and he wants to get with a Q-tip. He wants to get into the air vents and, and get the dust out. And that's an image to me of, of his really wanting to go deeply into our hearts, where those same-sex attractions uh, are born, where they hatch, where they grow. And not to condemn, not to shame, not to scold, but to bring healing, to bring healing. Those, those attractions are a sign of a, of a wound somewhere. And all of our—I mean, I know I've got all kinds of disordered attractions in my own life, and, and, and almost inevitably, they come from some kind of wound in my life, some painful experience that I took this, I took up on, in my own desire to cope with my pain, I began to think, this can medicate my pain. And I latched onto something, and it became a habit of, of, of a way of thinking, a way of relating to others, a way of dealing with my own pain. Most of this is all way down in there, unconscious, but nonetheless real. And we can't simply say, because I'm not acting out sexually, that means there's nothing more to look at. The romanticization, if I can use that word, I think we know, everybody knows what I mean by that. The romanticization of same-sex relationships, that too needs to be purified, brought into the light, 
given to the Lord. And I hear the sincerity of your heart in wanting to, to do that, to, to really seek his face. I know of people who have been in a, a kind of romanticized same-sex relationship, and they look for the Lord's face, they seek the Lord's face, they find genuine a genuine path of looking at the wounds, looking at the roots of things, and they learn over time, they learn how to relate in a more healthy way without those entanglements, without those emotional entanglements, and without continuing to try to medicate a, a wound that really is, and I don't say this in any scolding way, but just to be honest, comes from a, a, an unhealthy place in our lives. There is a path, and I don't know anyone who navigates these waters better than the team at Desert Stream Ministries and their program, Living Waters. So I, I really urge you and encourage you to look into that. We will put a link in the show notes of our podcast to the Desert Stream website and the Living Waters program to learn more about that. I think you'll find that very helpful and hopeful. I didn't address this idea of feeling like a man trapped in a woman's body, and you spoke of that masculine energy that you feel. I, I just want to say something quickly about that, and I would invite you to maybe read my book, Good News About Sex and Marriage, the 2018 edition, where I have a brand new chapter on gender identity questions. But I want to say that, you know, I am meant to, as a man, I am meant to have within my own masculine humanity a marriage of what you could call, this is, you know, kind of, we're kind of looking for the right language here, but in a, in a broad sense of these terms, there's meant to be a marriage within me of masculine and feminine principles, or you use the word energy, I, I prefer the word principles, a masculine and feminine principles. And if I live that those masculine and feminine principles within me, if they are married in a proper sense, then they're going to, those, that coming together of the masculine and feminine within me is going to bear fruit in a solid, healthy male identity. And you, likewise, as a woman, are meant to experience within yourself a marriage of these masculine and feminine principles. And so my point is, it's not wrong for you to say, well, I feel this masculine energy in me, but it needs to be wed to the feminine energy, which is also part of you because God made you as a woman. And in that marriage of the masculine and feminine principles within you, the fruit that that will bear in you is a solid sense of your identity as a woman. So I, I just wanted to hold that out. I, I probably opened a can of worms there that I don't have time to really deal with. I'm sure I'm raising all kinds of questions in our listeners, but guess what? This is the Ask Christopher West Show. So if I raised a question here for you there, and you're like, what does he mean by that? Well, submit that, and we'll address it in a future episode. But just for the sake of this episode and the time allotted to it, I don't think we can go much more down that path. Mm -hmm. But Wendy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm so struck by um, 
the beautiful um, openness to the Lord. We're both prepared to do what we must. Um, and just we want to come to God this Lent as best we can, even in our broken state. I just want to pray that for myself mm. and for all our listeners. Are we coming to you, Lord? the best that we can in our broken state. Lord, mm. am I? I want to. I want to come to you as best I can in my broken state with, with openness, with trust that you have a good plan for me and for everyone that I love. And I, I want to pray right now for this listener who asked the question and for her dear friend for each of them to seek the Lord's will for their lives with trust and to pray not only for God's will for themselves as individuals, but for one another. Mm. And there's a, a beautiful way that we can surrender the people we love to the Lord that is very freeing and just opens up a, a new channel of grace for us in our relationships and in our our own emotional lives. So I just encourage you both in that prayer of entrusting yourselves ever more deeply to the Lord and trusting one another for God's plan for each of your lives. Yeah, I, I really hear something heroic in this woman's uh, journey to the Lord, especially in our day and age, the way she's mm -hmm. really seeking the Lord's face. You are in our thoughts. You are in our prayers. Keep going. Yeah. The Lord will bring to completion the work he has begun in you. Mm -hmm. Our next question is from a listener named Lindsay. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. Thank you for the gift of your podcast. It makes... Hi, Lindsay. You're welcome. <laughs> it makes the algae of the body so accessible to people in all different stages of life. My fiancé and I will receive the sacrament of marriage this July. Woo, 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 woo. Hooray! And we would love to hear any advice you have on how to create a prayerful and reverent wedding night. Mm. We feel pretty well-versed in knowledge of what the marital act actually is, but are looking for perhaps a prayer we could pray together to mark the two becoming one. Wow. I love that question. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what comes to my mind right off the bat is the Song of Songs in the Old Testament, the great erotic love poetry of the scriptures that is a, a poetic uh, a poetic look at... Here, I'll just go to JP2 and tell you what he says. That line in the book of Genesis when... Adam awakens from the deep sleep and says, at last, at last, you are the one, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And John Paul II describes that as a fascination at the mystery and dignity of the female personality, which is such a marvelous description. And, and he, he says it's focused on the body, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. But the body illuminates the inner mystery, right? He says the Song of Songs is a full expression of those words of Adam. And in the Song of Songs, we get to hear the bride's response. We get to hear Eve's response and her amazement at the beauty and, and dignity 
of her husband as a man. So I would, I would welcome you or encourage you to welcome you. What is that? Why did I use that word? I would welcome you to, to your marital embrace. Uh, no, I won't welcome you. I won't be there. But the Lord's going to welcome you. And I would invite you. That was the word I wanted. I would invite you to pray into the Song of Songs. Now, I will also confess, um, Wendy and I, was it, was it during our honeymoon? Was it before we were married or in our first year of marriage? I'm trying Sometime. to remember this. No, it wasn't, it wasn't before we were married, no. But yeah, we, we tried to we read tried it together. We tried to go through the Song of Songs <laughs> together early in our marriage. And I'll just admit to you, <laughs> went way over my head. I, I didn't know what the metaphors meant. I couldn't really relate to the poetic language. Uh, I, 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 was, <laughs> I was doing my best, but I was like, what do the saints see in this? I don't understand it. So maybe you're at that stage of life. Um, there are some aids that can help you. Uh, these are aids to reading the Song of Songs. We're not talking about other kinds of aids for the wedding night. We're not going down that path right now. Um, I think we've addressed that in another podcast somewhere. Sure. Have. Anyway, um, you might want to get my book, Heaven's Song, where I go through John Paul II's teaching on the Song of Songs and make it very accessible for readers. That could be helpful to you. You could look at a book called The Cantata of Love, which is a line-by-line -line reading of the Song of Songs for modern readers. I have read that. It's published by Ignatius Press. Uh, I really like that book. There are a few things that I, I wouldn't have been my particular interpretation, but that's neither here nor there. It's a great book overall. I'd highly recommend it. I'd also recommend pr a prayerful reading of Ephesians chapter 5, particularly verses 31 to 32, which John Paul II describes as a summa or summary of everything God wants to tell us in his word, because everything God wants to tell us is he wants to marry us. And that's what comes out so clearly in Ephesians 31 to 32, where Paul quotes from the book of Genesis and says, for this reason, the man will leave his father and mother be joined to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and it refers to Christ and the church. You could even um, come up with your own prayer, maybe a repetitive prayer, maybe like the rosary beads. I remember one married couple shared this with me years ago, that they came up with their own kind of way of going around the rosary beads, where they present intentions uh, at each rosary bead, and with each rosary bead, whatever their intention is, they say, they quote that line from Ephesians 5, the one flesh union is a great mystery, and it refers to Christ and the church. You know, I'm just kind of pulling this out of my heart right now, but maybe you could say on your wedding night, Lord, thank you for the sacrament of marriage. Uh, thank you for the gift of becoming husband and wife. We ask that the, the grace of the sacrament would come fully to bear in our embrace tonight as husband and wife and throughout our married lives. Uh, Wendy and I often pray, Lord, deepen our marriage bond through our coming together as husband and wife. You will be on your honeymoon, you will be sealing your marriage bond, S-E-A-L. 
L-I-N-G, not C-E-I-L-I-N-G, but <laughs> sealing, like the bond gets sealed, right? The bond only gets sealed once, and that's the first time you come together in the marital embrace as husband and wife. So pray before you come together on your wedding night, pray that your bond would be sealed, signed, sealed, delivered. That's what's going to happen. You're going to be expressing with the language of your bodies the vows that you expressed earlier that day. And pray that every time you come together, once your bond is sealed, pray that every time you come together, your bond will be deepened. That's what happens when we renew our wedding vows with the language of our bodies in the marital embrace. The bond deepens. What are your thoughts, Wendy? What I have to say is just different words that mean a lot the same what you're saying. But I just, in case the words that are meaningful to me are helpful to some of our listeners, I'll share that um, the husband and wife in a Catholic sacramental marriage are the ministers of the sacrament to one another. They are the ones who marry one another in the church. And that reality of being the minister of the sacrament there when it first comes to be in the church is something that I, you and I both have carried with us into our understanding of our marriage, of living our marriage, that we are ministers to one another. And that there are many ways that it is our privilege to know one another and to minister to one another and are caring for one another in our life. And yet the, the marital embrace is unique to our relationship in ministry. Yes, that yes. many of the other things we do with a heart of love could also be done by someone else. But the, the ministry of our union is only for us. So right, right. the unique honor and privilege mm. it is that we experience to be ministers to one another is is especially clear to us in that uh, embrace. So ministry is one word I, I just want to mention. And the other one is gift. And you already talked about this, but to understand that in our physical union, we are making a gift of ourselves to one another. So there's already like the, the giving and receiving because ministry, you know, is, is both. When we're both ministering, we're, we're both giving of ourselves for the other and we're both receiving from the other, that giving and receiving. So I just share those things that I want you to know that even though this is all beautiful language, it doesn't mean that knowing it will make your first union or your first year of unions or any, anything like that to be everything that you dream and hope they could be because right. we're just learning. And so I think that a prayer of, Lord, I, I want to be a gift, help me to help me to be a gift and and help me to receive the gift of my spouse. I want to minister. Help me to learn to minister. You you don't really, really know how yet, and that's okay. It's just going to be the the first baby steps of of ministry to one another in this way that that will grow and grow. So those are my thoughts for your prayer. I'm so glad you brought that up, Wendy. It's just honest and it's real. It's just reality. It takes years for a husband and wife really to learn how to minister to the other in that deep bonding way. And there's always 
always opportunity to learn more because the mystery of the person is in some way infinite. And if you approach lovemaking in married life as an exploration of that infinite mystery of the other person, you'll never be bored. I mean, the word boring or I'm bored is, is and I've heard married couples say this, like our sex life is just boring. I'm like, what? If it's boring, you're not going on that journey of exploring the infinite mystery of the other person's heart. And that's that's an art. It takes time. It takes great vulnerability. I, I often say that a woman's heart is like a deep ocean. And the mission of the husband is to go deep sea diving because there are treasures down there that only he can discover. But you can't go swimming around in that deep ocean if she's not vulnerably opening it up to you because you'd be violating her if you're poking around in there and she hasn't opened it up to you. And I like to say a, a man's heart is like a deep cave and and lovemaking is meant to be where the wife explores the, the caverns of that cave and she's going to discover treasures in there that he doesn't even know are in there. But again, uh, she can't go poking around in his man cave if he doesn't open those caverns to her. And that, that, that demands a real vulnerability. And that just takes time. It takes years sometimes to get that naked. Mm. But that's what gives the physical nakedness real power and real sacramental power. Uh, because it, in as much as it corresponds to a spiritual nakedness, it's it's really honest and true and integrated. Sadly, there's a lot of physical physical nakedness in relationships without a corresponding spiritual vulnerability. And I mean, we've been through our own phases in married life where it's really hard for us to be vulnerable to each other because we hurt one another. And and that's part of the journey too, and the forgiveness that's needed and Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, and I don't even know if I'm answering any of the questions anymore. You're just talking about the wedding night, which rejoice! It's a beautiful thing with all of its newness and questions and, oh my gosh, how do I really love her? And how does she really love me? All that stuff. Open it up to the Lord prayerfully. I hope some of our suggestions were helpful. Uh, we'll be praying for you in July that the Lord shines His light on you and you experience the, the beauty and tenderness of becoming one flesh. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Hmm. Yeah, and let's everybody remember Lindsay and her fiancé. Do we have his name? I don't. Lindsay and her fiancé getting married this July. Mark it on your July calendar just to lift up a prayer for them. You got, you're got. you going to have people from around the world, Lindsay, praying for you and your new husband. God bless you, God bless you. And if this episode has blessed you, uh, think about sharing it. Hit that share button and send it out to somebody who needs to hear what you heard today. Keep the questions coming. You know to where to go. To uh, We have the link below to submit a question. And patrons, don't forget, you can submit your questions at the patron page. And you guys get priority in our addressing questions. And you go into a smaller pool. So thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Don't forget it. You know how it all ends on our episodes. It's true. We say it every episode. I hope it's not just, oh, here they go again. I hope it sinks in maybe a little bit deeper every time you hear it, that you are an indispensable, irreplaceable, 
unrepeatable gift, and we pray that you experience the grace to become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.